0: You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at LaughFactory.com.
1: It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. After laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>
0: hey guys, it's Bill Dawes. Welcome to the After laugh. I'm here with a very special guest, Aries Spears, and because I probably uh, take too much ambient, I'm forgetting the co-host here, and the co-host of his podcast, Andy- S- Steinberg. Steinberg. I yeah. Thought, I wanted to say something else. Okay, Andy Steinberg. So, Greenblatt? <laughs> I know, <laughs> welcome to anti-Semitism. So, um, I, uh, you guys have a podcast, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and what's your podcast called?
1: Uh, Spears and Steinberg. Spear, hey. Yeah, we kept it very simple. Yeah. And how'd you guys meet? Uh, not,
0: not, I mean that sounded like I'm surprised that <laughs> Aries no. Uh,
2: we met uh, in Phoenix. He uh, he'd come through Phoenix, uh, stand up live for a few years, and I finally had the nerve to ask him if I could go and do a couple shows with him. And he gave me a show. You know, should I tell that story? We tell that story. Yeah, but, uh, yeah so he gave it's me he gave me a show, and it was at. Uh, I can actually tell you where it was. It was in uh, Oxnard at uh, Levity, Live. Levity Live in Oxnard. And so I sat there the whole weekend. And, uh, you know, over the period of a few years, uh, Ares uh, is known for being a little aloof. But it's not that he's aloof. He's focused. Yeah, yeah. And so he's focused on what he's doing. And you have to know when to talk to Aries. So over that period of time, I learned how to talk to Aries a little bit. But then when we were, uh, when it was like I was, he brought me out, I didn't really still, the dynamic kind of changed because I wasn't on my home turf. Yeah. You know, and so I didn't know how to talk to him. So at the end of the weekend, uh, about, I guess, a day before the end, I go, uh, so is that what you expect from a feature just to sit here, shut the fuck up, and, you know, just Whoa. hang out here until you're ready to talk to me? Goes, Wouldn't it be
1: nice if women said that to a guy? Why <laughs> <laughs> <And, and he, laughs> would you just expect for me to sit here and shut just the fuck, fuck up? Yeah.
2: So you asked for his consent, uh, yes. And then he just goes, I'm an adult, man. I can talk whenever the fuck I want to. All you have to do is talk to me. And That's great. Uh, once I said that, it was like we broke the ice, and yeah. uh, ever since then, we've just been uh, like slowly developing a relate, you know, like a can I a, ask like you a real person relationship.
0: relationship. yeah, ask ask whoever you want, you can ask after I don't care.
2: It wasn't it, like a real person to person relationship, not a comic comic relationship. Yeah, like we're, we're friends. So
0: before that, you hadn't talked to him at all.
2: Yeah, I talked to him, but like we would talk in spurts when it was convenient. You know, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt him from his flow. So, but I knew when to talk to him. Back in Phoenix, and then after it was after the shows were over, like it's kind of my, you know, it was my place, so I knew what to do and yeah. take, you know, like it, there was a little bit uh, more flow, like that I was in charge of. Yeah. But when it was when I was out of my element, I didn't know how to, you know, it, it was different because he had his own thing. He's been there before. He knew what he was going to do, how he was going
1: to do it, when he was going to do it. Yeah. And so it just took a minute. A know. lot of people don't know how to take me. And, I I, I, I want to ask you and, about and, that. And, yeah. And yeah, and we could dive into that because you know there's always a perception. Yeah. About people in this business, and, and certainly there has one has been one about me. Uh, and for those that know me, that that you know, maybe take the time to converse with me, uh, like Andy, who's been doing it because we've been on the road together, and like you, uh, very few people I, I do that with. And, and I think that because I am aloof, uh, as the great Patrice O'Neill said, <laughs> people take aloof for asshole. Oh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I guess that might be some of the different perceptions yeah. about me. But uh, at the end of the day, what made it all click was Andy eventually bought me vodka. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it was tequila. <laughs> tequila. <laughs> he gave me tequila. So anyone tequila. who wants
0: to open for uh, Aries Spears, remember, buy him vodka. Yeah, yeah tequila. 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 And, and, and tequila.
1: As, 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 you know, as time went on, you know, uh, he, during the holidays, he for Christmas I, or one holiday he gave me a, a speaker, like one of those speakers that you you know for the Bluetooth. Oh and you yeah, yeah, to yeah, Music. So, so for a Jewish dude, he's very giving. <laughs> uh, I didn't get you shit this year, though. Not, <laughs> that's okay. not so far. Not so far. Not not I got something. Not for yet. You. Not yet. But not yet. But it just hasn't come back. Hasn't yeah, come back. yeah. So he, you know, uh, that's how we kind of came to be.
0: Uh, and when when uh, so you when did you first start hearing that you were loof? When was the perception? when did that land on you they're like wait people think that i'm this way and I'm- uh
1: probably when i got to la in 93 oh wow yeah because things kind of happened for me in a different way yeah that, that wasn't the norm in terms of how they they happen for people you yeah. know most most guys we'll get into that yeah yeah most guys you know they start off working the road and the grind mm-hmm. for so long going from mc to feature to eventually headliner but for me it was the it was the opposite you know, I came in to this business uh, getting so many development deals and, and just back when they were giving development deals at a ridiculous yeah, rate. Yeah,
0: you got off to the airport and they're like, hey, here's yeah, the deal. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hot young comic in town and he's the, the shit. And so I got all these development deals that didn't go anywhere. Uh, long story short, I eventually ended up on Fox, which was my last development deal after doing ABC, NBC, CBS. Um, and and at the time, Aaron Spelling, who of course was known for Melrose Place uh-huh. and Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero, he did a show called We did a pilot called Crosstown Traffic, uh-huh. which is basically the Mod Squad. Yeah, um, that failed. That didn't go anywhere. And finally, the the, uh, the the head of Fox at the time, I think it was Peter Chernin, was just like, "Look, I'm a fan of this dude. I want him to be on the network." And then they put me on Mad TV in its third season, which I actually auditioned for the first season, but. Because I was locked in a deal with another network, they wanted me, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. So uh, Adam, Adam, was it Adam Small and F- Adam Fog, David Small? One of the names, the two dudes, the showrunners that ran it. Uh, they were fans from day one, so they were like, "Man, let's put them on the show." Yeah. So I got on Mad TV about five or six years into that, kind of built a name, and I just immediately started headlining when yeah. I went out on the road. So I never did the whole MC to feature and worked my way up. I went, stri- I went straight into the pool head-, head first.
2: You didn't have a crew, though, either. Like, you didn't come up with a crew. No,
1: no, 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 no. So you don't have that.
2: Well, yeah, so let's back, so wh-
0: how did you come up? How did this, how did you get these development deals? Where were you before this, before LA?
1: I was in New York, New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, if you could call it a crew, the guy, the guys I came up with in, in New Jersey, you know, a lot of the, what they call the chitlin' circuit, <laughs> the, the, the black clubs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Triveca Club Eighty Eight Peppermint Lounge. Uh, I came up with Bill Bellamy and okay. a bunch of other guys: Derek Fox, Cool Bubba Ice, Hamburger Jones, and, and really hamburger. me and Hamburger. <laughs> but really, me and Bill Bellamy were the only guys out of that crew yeah. to really get somewhere pop, yeah. and, and maintain it. Yeah. Um. So you know, like when I watch some of these comedy documentaries and the boys in Boston, fucking uh, Lenny Lenny, what was his name? Not, not Lenny Bruce. Lenny, he was real. Popular oh, I know in the exactly. 80s. He's friends with Dennis Leary. And yeah, yeah. Den, like Dennis Leary, Stephen Wright, um, Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark, yeah. Lenny yeah. Clark, a lot of those guys, He's great. you know, that was their crew. Yeah. Uh, and the New York guys being Jay Moore and uh, fuck, what's more guys out of New York? Uh, Nick DiPaolo and yeah. a lot of those New York Rich guys. Rich Voss. Rich Voss. And so I never came up with a click because when I started, I was 14. Jesus. And when I did Def Jam, I was uh, 16. Holy I did Showtime shit. at the Apollo at 17. And the thing was, I couldn't hang out at the clubs because I was I was underage. So my mom would escort me to the clubs. I would have to do my shit and leave because I couldn't be around the alcohol. <laughs> so sometimes my- So it was, it was
0: technically illegal that you were doing it and the club owners were like, nah. It wasn't illegal
1: because I had my mom with me. Okay. but But- like, my green room, like, when most comics hang out in the green room, my green room was a sometimes, hey this is a niggas club, so shit is poor. It was it was a broom closet. <laughs> like, I would literally have to sit in the broom closet until they go, knock, knock, yo, you're on. <laughs> and then after I did my shit, I had to leave. So yeah. I, I, I always kind of felt like I missed out on the comedy comrade type shit. Sure, yeah. Where comics bust each other's balls. And yeah. I think essentially to some degree that makes you stronger, yeah. that makes you better. And I never had that. So I was kind of always a loner yeah by myself uh and by the time i did come of age where i could do that i was so used to being alone that i kind of didn't need it or yeah. i didn't want it yeah for and, sure and because i was so aloof and by myself and kept that attitude yeah people thought you know i was a dick yeah and also what have you heard bill no
0: i mean you know my experience with you areas is we've done i mean you probably remember this but back in the times square laugh factory days Wow. Do you remember the Times Square factory days back
1: before they made that it was it was dirty pussy central
0: <laughs> Oh yeah it was oh, it, it was, was time- called Show World, yes. and it was uh, what what was Show World? Show World's like, like the a
1: peep, the peep boxes. Yeah, where you could reach in and touch the woman's <laughs> pussy and get stuck. There was supposed to be glass there. You weren't supposed to be able to reach in. Yeah, yeah what, but you what, could. Yeah. I touched a few. You might get stuck with a hypodermic needle <laughs> and catch AIDS at the same time. But that's what it was. Yeah.
0: And there was a I, there were a couple years where they had headliners, and you came in as a headliner. Right. And you were you know you, you you're just one of the people who you've always been a beast. I've never known you to not be a beast. Always kind of intimidating. I could understand why you didn't were afraid to talk to him like oh fuck But him. was
1: the intimidation because I didn't talk?
0: No, well first of all, let's you're a big black dude and we're crashing. Did you know that? Did Number you one. That, wasn't, uh, that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> that. and then you have an energy and then on stage your, your point of view you're so entrenched in your point of view it's so powerful that you just don't want that energy directed at you.
1: <laughs> I have to repeat. I have to repeat one of my own quotes that I did on Vlad TV. I don't know if you're familiar with Vlad. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he for saying, some reason, yeah. this dude is like the top-notch dude who interviews everybody and anybody that's entertainment, but more, more so, rap music, hip hop. Yeah. Uh, but he gets the biggest names on, and he interviews people. And um, I did an interview with him, and you know, we talked about race, and I had to say. Then, what I'm gonna say now, which is uh white people, you, you guys have this ability. <laughs> it's the Jedi mind trick. <laughs> I love how you have convinced society that Negroes are to be feared.' Because <laughs> uh, even last night when you went on stage, you said i it was a great line too, in your stand up. you go, uh, I went to a high school that was seventy percent black, thirty percent and uh thirty percent terrified, terrified. <laughs> and I just sat I, again it brought me back to go, where the fuck?" Is this notion that Negroes are to be feared? When historically speaking, white <laughs> people, y'all have been the most dangerous motherfuckers on the planet. Oh, for historically. sure, historically. So yeah. that's why I just I say all that to say when I hear that you're a big black man and you're scared, like motherfucker, please, please, <laughs> nothing I've ever done can scare yeah. anybody the way y'all have scared society. I but get I don't want I don't want to I don't want to turn off. The white listeners. I don't want y'all to think <laughs> I don't like white people. I do. I appreciate the shit out y'all because I have a little white in me, and every now and then it comes out. I like to lay down at the airport and go to sleep anywhere. You guys yeah. have a unique ability to sleep anywhere, <laughs> uh, and you know sometimes yeah, I like white women. So exactly, if weren't for white it, men, you wouldn't have white it. women. There you go, baby. I feel it. <laughs> no, you okay? But the thing with you, is,
2: uh, when you don't present an opening for a lot of people to talk to, right? You don't like. You have a focus about you. Right. And if you don't know the person, that person has to take the initiative to try to find the opening to Well, the last
1: time niggas gave white people an opening, they ended up on a boat trip. (laughs) And did 400 years of hard labor for free.
0: Solid point. But then the Jew can come in with your story historically as well. You know, come on.
2: My story's different, though. It. we were just tried to knock off. We weren't used for slave labor. Uh, they, they just, they just we, we weren't even valued as as workers. They yeah. just wanted to just end it. Uh, you know what? This we have people to do the work. We yeah. just need you to go away. So yeah. it's, it's 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 different.
0: If you're athletic and strong, like black people, maybe they would use you for slaves. But unfortunately. you know what? You know what <laughs> irritates
2: me the most? I'm gonna say is athletic, like big. Ju- I, I was over at uh, at Cantors today because uh, uh, my girlfriend's never been there, so I took her to go to Cantors to eat today and it's Saturday and it was around two o'clock so everybody's you know getting out and uh, so it was filling up and you know what The, the most annoying people to me I'm gonna tell you this this is gonna make people mad at me is uh is athletic big Jewish guys I've never seen one. Yeah, because when that when that anomaly <laughs> not happens, since Jesse
1: Owens, the guy, I, and they weren't
2: even big. But no, go ahead. But when that anomaly happens, there's like this presence that they have that they think that they are right. Because now, not only are they Jews, but now they're obviously the king of yes, the Jews. The king of the Jews. Jews because they're the biggest and you know guys in the place. That's
0: why people like Jesus because he had abs. You he know, had he abs, able, but, yeah. but
2: he but he portrayed more of a hipster. I think.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, interrupt Go ahead. No, no, no. No, no, there was just it was just
2: annoying to me. There was there was a couple there was just this one guy and he was just this Ophi Jewish guy, big, and he was just in the way and I could tell like he played football in high school and that was that was his that was his yeah. peak. But yeah. he was in my way. And he was just that he was just, I don't know it,
1: it just annoyed me I, I like I like I think w- white people start stopped peaking physically uh, <laughs> in after high school nineteen <laughs> <After> sixty <laughs> after nineteen sixty <1960, laughs> niggas took over
0: it's true yeah, th-
1: yeah.
2: well but, I mean it th- should have been that way because then we had to do our own work as white people yeah we should we should be peaking now
0: well you know back to the idea of like <laughs> white people being scared of a black planet or like fear of a of a black cat whatever it is like in my high school and i remember when i talked about my uh i do that bit that you saw i did last night right. about uh, being a white, one white guy on all black football team and i talked about i was afraid i was going to trip over a dick in the locker room because you know it, these and i remember brian Sclero kept and i love brian he's a great comic he's like he's like bill what are you going up there doing like black dick jokes i'm like who said this to you brian Sclero fine. and i was oh, like
1: Brian's motherfucker good. that was my high school wait a minute is that the dude white dude glasses
0: you know, Brian Scalero's a guy, he, you know Brian Scalero. was it Brian Scalero? I'm, I'm
1: thinking of a Brian, the other guy. He's like,
0: he, Brian's heavy. He's got a round face. He, talks about, he has a really deep voice. He talks about okay, sneezing man. and gotcha. farting. No, no, and, but not no, big no. black dicks. No, but yeah, <laughs> he, he hated that I talked. And I go, well, so that he gave just, you shit? Yeah, and I go, well, that was, he goes, yeah, another comic doing joke about big black dicks. I'm like, that was my high school. Th- my quarterback was 135 pounds, and his dick had to be 20 pounds of it. And I was sitting there as this little white guy. And I also think, like, let's get into it. Maybe I'll be be charged. But black guys just went through puberty sooner, at least sooner than me in my high school. Well, listen,
1: we know that there's, uh, and you talked about it a little bit last night about stereotypes being true. There's some truth to it. That's how they got to be there. As negative as it is, there's truth to it. Um, And it's like, look, do all black guys have big dicks? The majority, I guess, do, <laughs> but there are exceptions to the rules. Just like there's, look, there's white tigers that exist in the wild. Yeah. We know they're there. There's not many of them, but we know they're there. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I was on the way over here. I was a little late because I was stuck in some traffic. And you're black. Uh, well, no, but, but it, 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 it works itself out. I was late because I was, I was. Um, let me just say, it. I was a fucking a white bitch, and this bitch was an albino tiger. I mean, built. She had Atlanta stripper body. Oh yeah. I mean, ass, thighs, and I and I was fucking, and I'm going. I gotta hurry up and be done <laughs> so I can get to this fucking podcast. And it was really, literally down the street. It was, it was by the, the 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 Beverly Center. Yeah. So um.
2: So when I called you and you were late, that's where you were. You were still there. Cause you didn't i was stuck your in phone. traffic. i You told didn't you I was answer stuck your traffic. phone. You didn't answer your phone when I called. When I texted you. Well, yes, you, I was in a pussy. You were quote unquote <laughs> I <was just> stuck <laughs> in traffic. I was, yes, I was stuck in traffic. Traffic is code for pussy.
1: <laughs> yes, um, uh, but this was a bad bitch, and she's gonna come to the show tonight at eleven. You are gonna see what I'm talking about? This bitch, <laughs> is, a, this bitch is a monster. <laughs> Niggas that love white women. This is pure unbolivian, cut, uncut cocaine, nigga. This is pussy in its purest form. But I'm saying that to say there are exceptions to the rule. Now I shouldn't say this, but. I wish I was packing, nigga. I'm not. I, yeah. I, 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 me and Andy, we did a show, and we're gonna go back there actually in two weeks to Memphis. Uh, chuckles, chuckles, which is an all black club. And I remember I did the radio station. I just was like, the two stereotypes I don't, I don't uphold is I can't play basketball. Yeah. And my my my, my dick don't make noise when it hit the table. <laughs> it just, I'm not small. Yeah. But I'm not fucking. Yo, this is, this is, we gotta hang this nigga. He's a threat.
2: So they have to call him a stunt double. Yeah. So you, you yeah. The scene. Yeah.
1: So I, my shit is, and I uh. wish it was. Because to be a black guy, and, I, and I'm and i not a, well, I, now I'm a better dancer. But <laughs> back in the day, I, I, I moved like Elaine on Seinfeld, nigga. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I'm an exception to the rule when it comes to basketball and dicks.
0: Yeah. I gotta tell you this story real quick. I was driving, I was doing a show with Jackson McQueen, and I'm gonna, blow up his spot right now and matt rife when we we're driving to vegas you know how you're on the road eventually start talking about dicks eventually and we were talking about dick pics and how and matt was like and it hey, was just you and him me matt rife and jackson mcqueen in the back there's <laughs> no reason the black guy was in the back but he was in the back and, jackson
1: uh, mcqueen sounds like he does hair do you know jackson mcqueen no it just sounds like he does okay hair. so he's a
0: he's a black dude and he right. and uh and we were talking about dick pics and matt rife is like yo man like you know i've closed with some dick pics like it looks pretty. I was like, oh, good for you, Matt. I was like, man, I was like, yeah, me too, man. We're doing pretty. And we, like, kind of did, like, the, the white boy fist bump. Like, yeah, man, we're doing all right. right. And Jack's like, yeah, man, man my, my dad get he has, like, a little study. He goes Yeah, my, my dad, you know, it, it, it okay, but it ain't, like, porn, porn size. I'm like, oh, that's okay, Jackson. He's like, yeah, man, it's only nine and a quarter inches. And I was, like, almost fucking, like, hit my brakes, like, mother, what porn are you watching?
2: <laughs> you are definitely not watching the
0: Asian porn that I guess I am watching. <laughs> so, whatever your perception of like eh, it ain't hitting the table, it's probably it'll probably put us to shame either way. But whatever.
2: <laughs> I, I, I break some stereotypes. Uh, I can play basketball. Really? Yeah, but my dick ain't big. So that was that. <laughs> Okay, so
1: you even out.
0: Yeah. And even as you say that I'm looking at you like motherfucker you can't play basketball. I can play basketball. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where do we go? How do we get to this subject? Of course. Yeah, it just
1: it just it just fell off the rails. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were talking about uh, coming up in school. Yeah, I
0: want to know how like how you like, I want let's like Tarantino this and go back to like
2: how it, how it all started for you, like how were you, was it something you were always interested in? This is when Bruce Willis walks back into the room. Um. Cause he forgot his watch, <laughs> and you go, go. Um,
1: you know what, dude? I always knew I just wanted to be famous. Like, oh, really? I, I just like I knew I didn't want to live a quote unquote regular life. Yeah, and and I always had a knack for making people laugh and trying to be the center of attention. Did you have
0: a big family? You had a family? Where you had to compete to get laughter. No, nah,
1: not really. My dad, my dad was was the funniest dude in the group. But I mean, my mom had her own kind of uh, dry dry wit but at the same time rawness like 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 for instance you know my parents were unconventional like where most parents go hey the kids can't watch this movie it's rated r don't curse around it my family my family did everything like we we were me and my as a, at a young age, I was allowed to watch R rated movies. My dad took me at seven to go see uh, the the original Death Wish, Holy with shit. Charles Bronson, yeah, which has the most horrific rape scene <laughs> next to the accused with Jodie yeah. Foster, and that's traumatizing yeah. to a kid. But I grew up watching those kind of movies, yeah. And 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 black people, you know, we very uh, we can get very animated yeah. when we get together and get liquor involved sure. and start playing spades and dominoes and like I almost remember that scene, the opening scene in Raw when um, Eddie's family and Sam Jackson's and then he tells the dirty joke and he goes, he kicked him in the ding ding. Thank you. And <laughs> Sam Jackson goes, that boy got talent. <laughs> like a lot of black families are like that. Sure. Where yeah. They just, you know, motherfuckers get that liquor in them and they just, mm-hmm. boy, what that motherfucker do? And it, they just, that's who they are. Yeah. So I, I grew up watching Richard Pryor and listening to Red Fox and at such a young age that I had no filter, yeah, and, and I'm all, and I'm really thankful uh, to my parents for that because yeah. I really think it helped make me the comic that I am. Absolutely, uh, I, I'm I'm so not into this pussy ass moist era of standup that we're in, which is why it's like, look, I like performing at the Laugh Factory, but sometimes you know because that's such a young demographic. The oos and ahs and the fucking, oh, oh. like <laughs> you motherfuckers make me sick. Yeah, like, I'm, I come from that Lenny Bruce, yeah, in your fucking face, fuck you kind of style of comedy, and I, I just I love it, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you have you ever had to apologize for a joke? I've, I know a lot of comedians. I would never ever apologize never. for a joke.
1: Never. And and, and, I, and I and I and I'll say here that I never will. But I also don't have the kind of money that makes you contradict yourself
0: where 15 managers and agents call and you go motherfucker you better do a retraction
1: right so maybe who knows maybe well, if i get to that level
0: yeah so like when kevin hart did the whole thing because I, I don't didn't quite follow with, with the oscars he had a, a homophobic tweet i guess homophobic tweet for you can regard ago. it from nine years ago right. and people were like and at first he's like you know what hey if you don't want me for the oscars because of that like right too bad and everyone's like yeah and then two days later he's like i really apologize for that I know yeah. a lot of people's hearts broke for that, but what did you think about that?
1: You know, listen, there's no denying Kevin is a big brand. Yeah, and he's he's a smart businessman, and he's very into protecting his brand. Um, so, I guess I get it. Uh, I don't. I, I, I would have been more curious to know if he hadn't apologized, would the Oscars have dropped him? Yeah, because it didn't seem like they were going to drop him. He just bowed out. Yeah, so it would have been interesting to see had he not apologized. What their take on it
2: would but, have been but I'd like the if you're going to apologize. I like that. He said it I, I didn't like that. He apologized. Yeah, and I don't think you should apologize for a nine-year-old tweet only because the, the the mistake we're making right now is that when we go back and we look at what people did years ago and we don't see their Improvement as a person and yeah. see the growth because the country's grown people have grown our, our culture's grown so why wouldn't the person Grow as well. Yeah. If you can see that growth in that person. There's no need to apologize. Yeah. and he said that simply. I addressed this a long time ago, and that's where he could he could have stopped. But he did say, uh, I don't, "I'm not gonna I'm gonna drop out of the Oscars." But if I hurt anybody, I, I apologize for, yeah. for that. Now, and so that I felt was not about the money because he was already right. He was already saying, "I'm not gonna take this job." Yeah, maybe for other income or things that he had on the table and right. other other productions that he had yeah. going on. But I felt like that was. That was less for protection and more for just being that he wanted to apologize for people Maybe that he was aware of maybe letters that he got of people that he that that did find it hurtful, but Do we not grow as people? Do we not grow as a culture? It was
0: also an interesting idea like I apologize if I hurt somebody But if you if you have the capacity to do comedy and to speak and to think and to say your thoughts You're always going to hurt somebody always so it's like you're apologizing I
1: mean to walk through this 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 mental minefield of which way do i go do do i turn left do i turn right am i doing too much did i say this i just i just think it's preposterous yeah and 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 we kind of talked about it on on our podcast um it's it's like dude man at the end of the day I, i compared it to prohibition yeah like we're in such an era where you're trying to tell people what they can't say what they can't listen to what's acceptable what's not and and I feel like look first of all this is America and we're the cockiest country in the world in terms of we do what the fuck we want to do yeah and people love to laugh people love guilty pleasures people love to do what necessarily is deemed bad for you yeah so it's the reason why you'll never get rid of liquor you'll never solve the drug war in America yeah as bad as drugs are and I'm not condoning it people need vices yeah. So if if you want to you know you got to toot some cocaine or shoot your line or take your pills again I'm not condoning drug use but people look for an escape yeah and people want to feel good so as much as we're all trying to be politically correct I think there will come a time when all of this backfires tremendously yeah because just like with alcohol people want to drink they want they want some people fuck better with whiskey dicks some people feel good it drops your your, your your guard it makes you you know gets rid of your inhibitions and it gives you strength liquid courage so however it works for you no one wants to be told you can't have that yeah and 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 i think still to this day the best comedy is comedy that makes people go oh shit yo did you hear what that of motherfucker course, said yeah. it's crazy like even you know the last couple nights here at the laugh factory again I, I i hear it i see the i see the looks on people's faces but what I love even more is when after the show they come up to me and go, fucking dude, when you said that and when you did this. And people want
0: that, man. You just did a white guy for sure, by the did way. Did I really? <laughs> dude, bro. Uh So do you think that, because when you started, you started late 90s or 95? 90? Mm,
1: probably, a. Uh Late 90s? Because
0: that was the first wave of PC stuff. Early 90s. Like, 90, 90, yeah. 90, 92. Yeah, and I think that's when the first wave of PC stuff was happening. And then it was big, and then it went away. Do you feel that comedy, as you've been going, it's? Ch- do you feel like it's changed? Do you feel that audiences have changed that much? Or do you feel like...
1: From then till now? Yeah. I don't really... When you, just say, when you say it started getting PC in the 90s, I don't think so. I think it started getting PC in the last... F- Five years, yeah, um, and yeah, it's pussy shit. Yeah, it's it's pussy shit. Yeah, you know, as long you know, as long as you're not physically hurting anybody or denying rights, who doesn't know that when you walk into a comedy club, this is what it is? Yeah, it's it's no different from seeing, you know, when you went and saw Terminator and you saw Arnold Schwarzenegger shoot a bunch of cops. It's fantasy. Yeah, it's not reality. It's 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 you know so. Some of what we say is based in reality, you know, obviously comedy is based in some form of reality, but sometimes it's just f- fantasy. It's made up shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, none of this shit is supposed to be taken seriously. Yeah. You and, know?
0: And do you feel as a comic, you feel like you have to explain that more nowadays? You shouldn't have to. But do you f- do you still feel like, based on reactions, you're like, I got to make sure. Because Joe Rogan on his like specials, I was like, just so you know, he he does a disclaimer. And I'm always like, that's weird, but I also get it because- You shouldn't have to, but I feel like comics more and more say, I guess this might be offensive. They almost have to preface what they're saying, but you just go out balls, you don't give a shit, right?
2: But there's a difference right now. The difference is before 10 years, uh, 12 years ago, I'll say 12, 12 years ago, when you had people that came in to see you do comedy, you might have 500 people in a room, you could do a theater, you could have 2,000 people, 5,000 people in a room, and they saw you do comedy, and you affected them at that moment but now that you can put out a post and you can write what the person said and give your interpretation to that person and maybe even video if you have it, that's not shared with just 5,000. That could be shared with 50,000, 100,000 people. And now, out of that 100,000 people, if you offended one out of 5,000, would you care? But now, what's the number now that you're offending more and now more people are on board and then that get posted at two people that are looking to be offended. And now you have an avalanche of offense. Yeah. And that's well, what it comes from. Not- well,
1: I think that's part of what's dangerous about social media, is in a post, you can't have context. Of course. You know what I'm saying? When you say something on stage, there's a story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. So when you hear something within context, you still might get offended, but you ha- you have a real perspective of what's actually being said and what's the end result. Yeah. Whereas with a post, you're getting a snippet of somebody's thought or opinion, and if you don't really know what's behind that, then you don't know how to interpret that, yeah. and then you run with that and go, "This person said this, and this is how they feel, and blah blah blah." It's like you know, it's like with the word, uh, you know, "fag," and, and and I saw where Nick Cannon kind of halfway attacked. I think it was Chelsea Handler, Sarah Silverman, and Amy Schumer saying, "You guys are giving Kevin shit about saying homophobic shit," but all of them have said it and said "fag," and it's like you know, again, because we are so PC. Yeah. And the times are so delicate. You can't even utter the word. Yeah. But we all we know there's a difference between, "Hey man, let's go kill some faggots" yeah. versus, "Dude, you got on fucking speedos, you fucking fag." Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we it's it's not meant in a derogatory, demeaning, hateful way. It's just something you say Cause it's like it's it's part of the vernacular. Yeah. Versus, dude, I hate these fucking queers. Of course. Let's go kill them. Yeah. That's a whole different
0: thing. Now, do you, what do you think about the moral equivalency of? Uh, I,
1: I gotta hold up. I gotta go back for a second. Yeah. And to a great Dave Chappelle bit, but and I'm only bringing this up because, back to this white broad. Yeah. Uh, again, when I tell you this bitch was ridiculous, nigga. Yeah. I mean, you look at this bitch and go, "What's the rent?" <laughs> I'll pay your rent. She's that bad. Yeah, yeah. But at one point, like she's from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a black style to her. So a couple of times, we talking, we in the throes of passion, and she comfortably, nigga, and niggas and niggas. Wait, and, during sex. Yes. And, and and this bitch is saying, nigga to me, like it's saying good morning. Yeah. And like that great Dave joke when he goes, if a white girl's sucking my dick, and she goes, Come in my face, nigga. I'm not gonna and he does this motion where he whips his dick out of her mouth and goes, Oh he goes, I'm getting I'm busting that nut, ladies and gentlemen. This is no time for ethics. So it's again, I know she don't mean it in yeah. hang this nigga. Yeah. She's part of nigga, it's part of the rhythm. Yeah, now, would I be bothered if my dick wasn't in her mouth?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: But my dick was in her mouth. Yeah. yeah. She said, them <laughs> niggas, I went, girl, them niggas do. <laughs> That's what, that, I think that's where the the uh, that, the a came from. Yes,
2: because it can't say hard r when the dick's in your mouth.
1: Exactly.
0: Yo, I'm gonna <laughs> tweet that right now. Not, no, I'm, that I'm not gonna tweet that. Aries, you tweet won't that. be in you context. Aries, you tweet that. You tweet that. I can't tweet that. It won't be in context. But it's funny because you you said, and again, I have a problem with saying the f word ish to a degree. Fuck. Fag. Oh, fag. You know. So, but you say fag, but at the same time, like if I say the n word, right. And Lucy C.K. has that great bit about like, don't say the N-word, you're making me fill in the blanks, take some fucking responsibility for the word. Right. Who says this? Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Right. He goes, I hate when people say, he goes, I'm sick of the N-word. I hate Not that word. the word. Nah, no, I hate the I hate N-word when because say N-word. you're making people fill in the blanks of what you're thinking, which is take some goddamn responsibility for your language. Which, wh- so, but what do you think about that? What do you think about the idea that, because I still think now, if a white, particularly now, if a white person, I don't care well, who let's, you let's are. Well, let's do
1: this. Let's do this because for the listeners of Bill's podcast. Yeah. He, he's after this he's going to jump on the Spears and Steinberg podcast <laughs> and this is the moment where I'm going to do a shameless plug uh, you've been listening to Aries Spears and Andy Steinberg of the Spears and Steinberg podcast and if you've liked what you've heard so far <laughs> you can download it on iTunes or you can go to Spearsberg.com or ariespears.com for all your Samsung Galaxy Android and other <laughs> f- uh, smartphone uses that being said and also email me at Airy Spears 45 at hotmail.com for all your racial concerns, <laughs> opinions, and I will address it on my podcast. Now, I'm saying all that to say, let's put a pin in that because uh-huh. when you do our podcast, <laughs> we're going to dive deeper into that. In regards to Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, and Ricky Gervais and oh, the controversy. I remember that. The I remember that whole thing. That Chris Rock is catching from the Black community.
0: That was so crazy to me. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah. But a similar topic. Do you remember when Daniel Tosh was at the Laugh Factory? I think this was like 2008 or 2009. And he said, if you've, if you've ever said blank isn't funny, like as a general statement, this thing isn't funny, I hate you to the core of my soul.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a woman in the balcony said, rape isn't funny. Right. And off the cuff, he said, well, it'd be funny right now if five guys got up and just gang raped you right now in the middle of the show. Now, pause Wait, there. Which isn't
1: a great pause comeback, that. but. Like, yeah, I don't think that's a good one.
0: It's not. That's harsh. But at harsh. the same time, it is harsh, but the audience laughed. And did he, they really?
2: They did yeah, laugh. because it was it's attacked. in the context of the time at the moment.
1: Because that's like George Carlin when he goes, uh, he said the same thing. People say rape isn't funny, but then he goes, pitch a porky pig raping Donald Duck. <laughs> so- uh, well, then
0: there's gay rape. Is gay rape funny? Like, I mean, how many prison rape jokes are there that people don't have a problem
1: with? Right. Um, I think anything can be funny, and that's the greatness of the comedian—how you execute it.
0: Yeah. How sure. you
1: how you make it funny? Yeah. Uh, I think anything could be funny. Um, I remember Dan Cook when he did the joke where he goes, he talks about abortions, and he goes, "What if you went to heaven and saw the babies that?" Got killed, or that you had killed. And he goes, hey, little fella, what's your name? Abe. Abe abortion. <laughs> so, you know, whatever, man.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I I just don't think you should put a limit on anything. But isn't, it, isn't
2: that the goal? Isn't that the the, the, the super goal of every comic, that, that that achievement is to take the most horrible, horrific idea and make you laugh at it? Isn't that the our whole goal, our purpose to serve <laughs> is to take what is unbearable in life and put some light into it and make
1: people laugh i i think that every comic would love to have the ability to do that yeah but that's a very unique skill it uh, is I fucking, not everybody has that ability uh, and uh, some people <laughs> 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 well you know
0: go, you know going back to to Chappelle after the louis ck thing happened and he said he goes this girl says she quit the business because he was jerking off on the phone. You ever heard of hanging up, bitch? And he was like, "You." He called her brittle ass bitch. Yeah. And I and I tweeted uh, something like, I forget. And I probably shouldn't tweet it, but I, t- I was like, "Wow, it's great." Dave Chappelle said that if a white comic had said that, they would be out of the business.
1: I don't know about that.
0: Don't you don't, think so? That. I, I don't I think so? I don't think
1: so. I think there's a way to say everything and anything. Um, just how you—that's—and again, that's the mark of a of a genius it comic. It has to be how you do it. But yeah. it had the it had it, the worse it is, the funnier it has to be. Yeah. But and 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 if you can make it the funniest, it has to be. That's a testament to your greatness. Yeah. You but know? but but the word, but that is it. I mean, if you're gonna
2: take if you if you want to do a rape joke, your joke has to be funnier than rape. The best
1: rape joke I've ever heard.
0: It has to be funnier than rape. That's yeah. not a high bar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the funniest rape joke i've ever heard uh patrice o'neill when he did his hbo half hour special and he talked about mike tyson and uh-huh. i don't know i don't know if you remember that no but he he, he talked about mike tyson and how uh basically he, he didn't believe mike did it based off what Desiree washington said because at first she was like oh my god he forced oral sex on me and he was like, damn, that's fucked up. He made you suck his dick? She was like, no, no, he ate my pussy. And he goes, that's where I knew the shit was bullshit. Because what rapist wants to make a woman feel wonderful? <laughs> and he goes, you can't even make a rapey face as you eating the pussy. And he did this thing where he's peeling the pussy lips back. And with his tongue, he's trying to eat pussy. And then he was like, bitch, shut up. Nobody hear your screams. Help, help. He's eating my pussy. Shut up. As I pulled the hood back and exposed your clitoris for maximum (laughs) stimulation. Shut up, bitch. Nobody hear your screams. And the audience lost it. Yeah. Now, again, when you look at taboo subjects, rape, racism, abortion, uh, anything homosexual, those are all landmines. Yeah. But like any bomb it can be diffused. Yeah. So if you got the skills to diffuse the bomb, yeah. you're the shit.
0: Well, that's a good point because do you think if Patrice O'Neill was unknown and he went to the Hollywood Laugh Factory on a Saturday night and people didn't know right. the cult of Patrice O'Neill and he did that joke, do you think people would, would laugh or were they just here's be-
1: what, Here's what the greatness of Patrice. He wouldn't give a fuck. Yeah. And he would expose the audience and going, I don't give a fuck. And through his I don't give a fuck, He'd find a way to make that funny, yeah, yeah. And eventually, the audience would get on board, dude. I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to sit here and toot my own horn or make me seem like I'm at the Patrice Dave level because I know Mm -hmm. I'm not, even though I strive to be that. You are, man. I love watching the switch. Mm -hmm. Like even when I'm on stage and I'm doing a joke about retards and faggots, and you could feel in the audience people's asses swell up. But I know it's fucking hilarious, yeah. and they know it's hilarious. All I got to do is make them go, you know this is fucking hilarious. Because yeah. they want to go, it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when you do it, and they fight you, and they fight you, and they fight you, and you finally get them to where they can't fight it no more, that's when they come up to you and go, nigga, you the shit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost like trying to get some pussy. Bitch yeah. keep telling you no. Now, again, and we I'm not advocating rape, but you know, as a dude, I could fuck this bitch. Yeah, yeah. And of course, she's going to let the morals and the mental, no, I got to get up in the world one morning, I got to do work, I don't blah, 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 whatever, bitch. Keep plugging. And if you keep plugging what you know she wants to do, yeah, yeah. eventually the floodgates open. Yeah. And when they do, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, no Disclaimer. If she says no, it's no. Of course, but come on, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I We've know. seen that look.
0: Well, you know, I wanted so the song "Baby It's Cold Outside" right is sort of like now universally banned. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What's it right? called? "Baby It's, it's Cold, cold outside. outside." You know, "Baby It's Cold Outside." I've never heard that. I, I it's don't want to sing it's an old Christmas song. It's an old Who Dean it? Martin. Yeah. It's white people.
1: It's D- No, no, don't do that. Well, I'm telling you, why, I love me some Dean Martin I know, and Frank But I'm
0: telling you why I'm doing this. Maybe it's cold outside. You can't say baby, it's cold, but you can Superman that hoe. No, rap music has not been put up on the same sort of chopping block well, as all these like white standards that have rape, rape culture. Because dudes. it's
1: white men singing it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so, there's,
1: a, there's a target on white men's backs right now. Thank you for saying that, Aries. Yeah, dude, you got you can't do shit. But there's God. a lot. Of, there's long. a lot of us though, so they can take a
2: lot out
0: out down. So do you? Th- do you th- Okay, and, th- and I want to talk about like urban clubs. There's do you feel like help. this PC thing is in the urban scene and in the urban clubs in the same way, or do you think they've no kind because of, the
1: same rules don't apply to us that apply to y'all? And secondly, y'all's uh, uh, repercussions have been long overdue. Yeah. So nobody of nobody black is feeling sympathy for white men being checked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You motherfuckers ain't been checked for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about time. Yeah, niggas I'm with is, you. Niggas is sitting back going, God damn, <laughs> let me do my Paul Mooney now. You white motherfuckers <laughs> have been long overdue, nigga. All of you white motherfuckers have gotten away with so much for so long. Niggas are celebrating. Niggas <laughs> are going, finally, that white man is paying, nigga. Oh my God. You never paid us, now you have to pay. The irony, nigga. The fucking irony, nigga.
0: That is the best Paul Mooney impre- ever.
1: Nigga, you don't have to tell me. I know it. I've been doing it. <laughs> I came up I with, wish you could see his face right I now. It's with, so perfect. I came up with Richard, nigga. Richard, <laughs> I, Richard and I, we wrote all of this shit, nigga. Yeah. We know how you white people are. You think you're slick. <laughs> We're like Santa Claus. We see you when you're sleeping. We see you when you're naughty. We know you niggas are be nice. <laughs>
0: Man, I wish Paul Mooney was, like, a bigger household name so that impression could get <laughs> Dude, more traction. Dude, is, that, is,
1: that is one of the, the biggest things I had always hoped for because I will go, and, you know, black people know who Paul is. Of course. Um, to us. But even
0: young generations probably don't.
1: They probably don't, but also, unless you're a diehard comedy junkie, yeah, you don't know who Paul is, white and black. Yeah. But for the people that know him, I go places and people go, yo, dog, you got do Paul. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I can't because I'm in a room. That's predominantly mixed. Yeah. So yeah, the niggas laugh, but white people will be going, who, who is this? Who,
0: who is this Paul Mooney for? Right. So, when did you first discover that you could do impressions? Because I think that I always look at the, there are certain things I consider like real skills. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like singing is a skill for me. Right. Uh, dancing is a skill. Impressions are a skill. I feel like comedy. If you just work your ass off and you sit there and write like a goddamn nerd, you can come up with twenty minutes and kill. Right. Yeah,
1: but you still got to have some skill. I
0: yeah, you still have some skill. Don't you think there are some comics you're like, wow, they worked hard and now I, here I, they I, are.
1: I think the ones who don't really have skill, uh-huh. if they put together a 30-minute set, they got one or two great jokes. Yeah, Jokes that make you go, God damn, I wish I I thought of that. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Motherfuckers with skill, maintain. Yeah. You, you never saw a Chappelle show and went, 20 minutes was whack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah. motherfucker's like... A hot rapper if he's got 20 tracks on that CD 19 are fire. Yeah, there might be one joke you go. I ain't feel that. Yeah but You've never looked at a Dave Chappelle special and went man half yeah. of that shit was garbage Yeah, you've never seen Patrice's elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. I dare you to find a weak spot. Yeah, look at Bill Burr Most of, uh, the only special by Bill Burr. I kind of thought was eh, was his last one. Yeah. where he wore the uh, cowboy shirt and shit, but everything else I dare you to find a weak spot. Yeah. So it's still skill, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you're so,
2: a great writer, can't work his way out of a bad bit. Like if you're a great writer, but the bit's not hitting because of the, your audience. Yeah. You, you, if you don't have that, that other, that other, tool.
1: But if you're a great writer, uh, and you
2: depend only on the writing.
1: If you depend only on the writing, but if you're a great writer up here, yeah, you know how to find. But you still
2: have to be able to I, do it. In front I, I of say it's
1: like football, man. You, you got to call audible. So you'd you be a great quarterback. You got your you got your playbook, yeah. your material, that's your playbook. Yeah. But when shit ain't going right, you gotta be able to call that audible, baby. Yeah. That crowd work, find a way to get you up out that shit.
0: And you're a performer. So what do you think about the the slew of comics that have the notepads, and they go up and tell jokes from notepads, and the joke bombs. Part of their laughs are just going, huh, and then they go back to their notepad, and audiences laugh at them being metatheatrical and going to their notepad. I mean, you know, I don't wanna name names, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Does that just drive you fucking ape shit? Do you feel like that's shouldn't be rewarded because I feel like nah, it has not, been? Not,
1: it just it depends on how you deal with the moment. Yeah. Like I, I've done that. Like I'll I'll go up with a with a piece of paper or something, and if it bombs, I make fun of the fact that it bombed. Yeah. Um. But also if it does well, I make fun of the fact that hey that worked. Yeah. So you know I, I don't I don't fault that. I just I, I again when you're talking about skill, I think crowd work. Uh, And and Andy and I, as we talk about this on our podcast, I liken so much of what we do to professional sports. Sure. Like, if you look at basketball, um, some guys are just phenomenal rebounders, and that's all they do. Some guys just bring defense. But, again, if I'm going to be great, I want to be Jordan. I want to be known for being able to do it all. Dunk, defense, rebound, basketball IQ, fucking passing, just everything. Yeah. So when you look at stand up, you know, crowd work is one thing. Uh, improvising is one thing. Your playbook is another thing. I won't say impressions because that's such a unique thing and everybody can't do that. But just being able to just do all those different facets. Yeah. So if you're in a situation that presents itself dealing with hecklers, yeah. Uh, all of that is a unique skill. So when you get caught in something, you're not like a deer in headlights. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. how to go, okay, I know how to adapt to this and I know how to make this work for me, yeah. instead of being fucked, of course.
0: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, when did you first learn about your skills and impressions, was that
1: something you always had as a kid? or did you- Just from, from day one, that was probably the first thing. You started impressions as your first? Yeah, because I, 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 I was a latchkey kid, so uh, growing up in a single parent household until my dad eventually came and lived with us, it was just me and my mom and my sister, so she worked two jobs to try to make ends meet, And uh, I would just plant myself in front of the TV and I was just watching shit. And my mother's a jazz blues singer. So I just grew up with a lot of entertainment, cultural shit. Yeah. Uh, And one of my first impressions ever was uh, Louis Armstrong, you know. uh, Yeah you say potato, I say potato, let's call the whole thing out. Like, yeah, because my mother jazz, Yeah. And plus my mother and father would play that when they would be fucking in the room. <laughs> so I know whenever I heard, tomato, tomato, I said, oh, <laughs> Pops is fucking. Um, and then again, coming up in the 80s, you know, Bill Cosby's Lee and all of that shit. So I, I just, that's just something that, was in my repertoire early. Yeah,
0: yeah. So when you did your first, do you remember your first stand-up set?
1: Do you remember what you did? Oh, dude, I did did a place called Uptown Comedy Cafe in Harlem. And they even had a TV show about it on at the time, little local shit. But me, my mom, and my sister, we first went to the improv in Manhattan. And to get picked, you had to basically draw your number out of a hat. Yeah, And so all three of us put our numbers in, none of us got it. So feeling discouraged, somebody said to me, you know, there's a club in Harlem called Uptown Comedy. And you're 14
0: at this point? 14. Yeah.
1: So we took the train, we went up there, and I remember I had practiced it in my room, and the same thing I was gonna do with the improv I ended up doing there. And I just did three impressions. I did uh, Jack Nicholson, Eddie Murphy, and James Brown doing a Pepsi commercial. Oh, man. So I just came out on stage and did the three of them doing Pepsi bits. Do you remember it? I don't man and, and 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 I really don't. Um but it was what it was and and the reaction was so oh that yeah. I, from there I was hooked. Yeah. Um and and that's how it that's how it kind of began, man.
0: Yeah, do you remember the first impression that sort of caught like traction and people started like rec- you know asking for you and say, "Hey man, do this one, do this one, do this one." What was one the first like you're like, "Oh man, this is the one that's going to get me a development probably, deal. Probably,
1: not, <laughs> probably after I did the thing that blew up on a on YouTube when I did The Rappers. I was in San oh, Francisco, yeah, yeah. and uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. Dude just happened to play the music and shoot it, and it got like 17 million hits. Jeez. Back, uh, then back then, too. Yeah. Good God. And it was climbing, and, and, and at some point, I guess the radio station had to take it down. And even after they took it down, it got an additional seven. So if they'd have kept it up, it would it, it, it got over twenty million views. Yeah. But after that, everybody was just like, "Yo, do the Jay Z, do the do the rap, do the yeah, yeah." Know, so that that was probably the most thing.
0: Does that bug you? Because I know Steve Martin in his book Born Standing Up, he talked about he did the King Tut and he'd go up like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this new stuff," and people were like, "Do King Tut, well, do." Like He's with, like, "Fuck that's this." That's like with
1: Chappelle, when everybody's going, "Yeah, yeah, what?" I'm Rick James, bitch, and he oh. wants to try to do material, but yeah, people are yelling that out. Um. I don't mind doing it and I'll do it, but I do it when I feel like doing it. Yeah. Because um, I, 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 you know, and much love and respect to my man, Frank Caliendo. And I love Frank to death because Frank always put me on the NFL and
0: all, oh, the, yeah. all the
1: Fox Sports shit he was doing when he was doing it. And I remember we did the uh, Super Bowl halftime show, which I think drew 84 million viewers. So this motherfucker put bread in my pocket and yeah. exposure. So I love Frank. Uh but I always felt like, and I and I gotta swear to God, this is no slight to Frank. Um, but that's what that's 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 all Frank does. Yeah, like he'll go on stage and his whole act is impressions. And and God bless him because he's a beast. Yeah. But I never wanted to be viewed as a one trick pony. Sure. I never wanted people to go, man. He's and, I've, and I and and I hear people say that to this day. Some people, man, all he does is impressions. If you take away the Jay Z and the D M X. He 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 only good at doing other people. Yeah, motherfucker, you ain't seen me on stage. Yeah, because I I can do a show and not do one.
0: Do you do that intentionally? Sometimes you're like, I'm going to do no impressions this show. No, it's not
1: all. intentional. I just don't want to force it. Yeah, if I don't have a good bit behind the impression, and we talked about that last night, because I said on stage, and we're gonna mention this on on our podcast, your natural speaking voice. I went, this motherfucker Bill sounds like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, and I said, Matt, you dude, do, you don't do that. And then I thought, you said last night, you were like. uh I I don't have a bit for it. Yeah. So I don't just want to go, and here's my. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eddie Eddie Murphy, when he did 48 Hours, one of the greatest specials ever, the impressions were kick ass.
2: What, what, with 48 hours, you mean? I I
1: mean, I mean, I mean, um, delirious? Delirious. Okay. The impressions were kick ass, but it was the bits. Yeah. When he did Elvis. Uh, and remember, right before he croaked, he had the, the, the shitty walk on the stage. A life is full, and he sounded like when he hit those notes. I'm a leech, and everybody like, and then you excuse me, a <laughs> leech. <laughs> Great bit, yeah, yeah. The honeymooners, Norton, yeah, yeah, up the ass, Norton, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Yeah. T, yeah, boy, fuck me up there. Like it was just the bits were the the, the bits were a strong. As the impressions, yeah. And sometimes I see dudes do impressions, and I go, "Solid impression, but the bit is weak." Yeah, of and you course. You get married to two. Of course. That's genius, man. Yeah. That's fucking genius.
0: Yeah, that's why I love like your Jay Z
2: bit so much too. Thank you, sir. You yeah. Know, that's you great. know, I just want to let you know, Frank is trying to do more material. Unless- is he really? Yeah, because he 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 He's felt tired like you his- said, like you said, he felt stuck. Right. And he wanted to do more.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's like a lot of comics who do. Uh, like guitar, yeah, or they sing. They're any like,
2: character, anytime you make it yourself a character, I think you get stuck at, at yeah. some point. Yeah,
0: that's like me, like not trying to do physical shit. And I feel like sometimes if I'm in a crowd, I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here on a chair and talk to people. And then I was like, I'm gonna have to break out some some breakdance moves because they're not <laughs> laughing.
2: Never. But but you could imagine emo Phillips. Being anything else but, of course, Emo Phillips. Yeah, and Jeff Dunham isn't going to go up there and do an hour, an hour without his puppets. Right.
1: I mean, look, when when you even if you have the one thing that you do, if you're a ninth degree black belt in that one thing, yeah, then that's your lane, and nobody can fuck with you. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Dunham might be the Michael Jordan the puppets.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: and if that's his thing, that's his thing. Yeah. And God bless him because if it works for you, who's to tell you how to eat? Yeah. You know, people give carrot top shit. But this motherfucker's had a residency in Vegas. Of course. For how long? Paid. Yeah. He's
0: rich. And there's there's something to be said for the fact that going finding a niche and sticking to it and finding what your niche is and developing it is a great idea. And and I remember one point, I, I don't even remember this, Aries, but I, I went on stage as a Russian years ago. A character. A character. But. And James is like, buddy, you can only do <laughs> Russian for the next... I made Jamie Russian all of a sudden. He said, "He goes, buddy, you got to do the." He goes, "You can't go on stage unless you do the Russian character," and I did it for about he said, a minute. You
1: can't unless you it, go.
0: Unless I do the Russian character, he won't let me go let, on stage. Let me,
1: let me stop you real quick. And you know, we love Jamie to death. Yeah, Jamie's my dude. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, we talked last night. He knows about my personal situation, and said, uh, "Buddy, if you need place to stay, you stay here at the back of the store, back of Fly Factory." So I love Jamie. Uh, but sometimes, and I, and I don't mean Jamie specifically, because Jamie does know what he's doing. He's yeah. built a fucking empire here. But there are some comedy club owners who feel like just because they run a club, they know comedy. Oh, it's yeah. like there's a reason why Jerry Jones is up in the skybox and not on the field. Yeah. Um, so I love Jamie to death, but sometimes Jamie's calls are so off. He's almost like a foreign dad with 16 daughters, and he knows the key to his American success is making his daughters give out the pussy. Like, he, <laughs> he treats us like whoas. Like, like buddy, you got to go, the audience is here, it's packed, pussy, sell your pussy. <laughs> like, sometimes his calls are outrageous. Like, when I did the rap shit, uh, and it was so popular, yeah. I remember I did it at the Laugh Factory, and it would fucking damn to get a standing mm, ovation. Of course. Every fucking time I would come perform, buddy, you got to do that. You got to do that. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to him, listen, man, some bits are like fine china. You only break that shit out on the holidays.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, This yeah. is a
1: special occasion bit. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. We don't eat the china on February 11th. <laughs> it's not a special moment. Yeah. You can't hoard a bit out. It'll yeah. It'll lose its value. Yeah. And one of the best moments I had, I remember uh, we were doing, I don't know if you ever knew about it or if you ever did it but Jamie was doing that show at the Long Beach Laugh Factory about the judges. And oh, yeah, the, with Dom the, Herrera, yeah. Don Dom Herrera. was the judge, and it was like comedy court. Yes. And we would have, I remember Paul Rodriguez. Supreme Court of Comedy. Supreme Court of Comedy. And we would have, like, the same setup as you, as, as though you were watching Judge Judy. So Don Herrera would be the judge, and then you would have the defendant and the plaintiff and their attorneys who would be comics, and we would present real cases, but we would be comedic lawyers and find the comedy in the case. And I remember Paul Mooney was coming and it was gonna be me and Paul as the lawyers. Oh great. And dude, I, I was so happy Paul did it because it finally put in perspective what I was trying to tell Jamie. And the minute Paul showed up, he goes, Paul, Aries does the great impression of rappers. At one point, uh, he's going to do rap impression. It'd be great if you could beatbox and Paul went, I'm not fucking rapping, nigga. You see two niggas, you want a nigga to beatbox and another, another nigga to rhyme. I'm not fucking beatboxing, and that nigga ain't rhyming. Because you see two niggas, you want us to be a stereotype. Get the fuck out of here. And I think Paul's the only motherfucker that can talk to Jamie like Absolutely. that and still get spots. And I had a look of shock on my face, but I was like, thank you, Paul. God damn it, thank you. Because I didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah and, I, yeah. and I and I and I was trying to tell Jamie Jamie you know when I do that bit I play a beat yeah. it's a flow it's organic can we please not brother you're going to do the rap yeah. ball. we're not fucking <laughs> rapping <niggas. laughs> I was like oh he saved me that uh, was great
0: you
2: did yeah. a little Kermit the Frog right now you're a yeah. Kermit yeah but, that was by good. the way
0: your your impressions are so spot on the only one that isn't is the Jamie one for some reason, Jamie sounds a little bit...
1: <laughs> yeah, Jamie... Everybody's impression of Jamie is what everybody's interpretation of Mitzi is. <laughs> yeah, Mitzi. Like, everybody's got an, an interpretation of what it is. I don't know that there's ever anyone that's correct. Yeah. But it is what it is. And now I got to put you on the spot. Oh, shit. Can you please get the Matthew McConaughey? Oh, I mean... So,
0: yeah. Uh, So, I grew up... It's, it's funny because I, I talk about how I, I'm like a mix. I'm half white, half trash. But but my brothers are both very successful and they're doctors, and so I, it's not really like like Trailer Park. It's one generation removed. Right. I saw a video of, of me when I was ten years old with my brothers. We've been interviewed because we were like soccer players. And My brother's like, "Well, I've been playing soccer for four years, and I'm a it And then interviewed me, I was like, "I've been playing soccer for about four years, and I'm a, And I had the most fucking redneck. <laughs> no one else in my family did, except for my mom. So. I always had it, and when I went to school for acting, all they did was like, we gotta get rid of that fucking accent, that accent. So, you know, it was like doing Shakespeare, I was in acting school, like, following. I'm like, ing? and ing It's not following? You're not following someone? You're following, ugh. So they weaned it out of me, and then when I got out of school, I found that the only parts I was getting were parts were like Southern dudes, because it was my natural thing. So I've been trying to wean it out, and the funny when I drink, or when I'm tired, my Southern accent comes out a little bit more. And there was a time when I first got to school where people, actually someone who worked for Matthew McConaughey is like, listen, sometimes Matthew McConaughey is like on a coke vendor and we need someone to ADR for him. Would you be interested in ADRing for him? And of course I'm like, fuck yeah. And it never happened. But somebody who, like his lawyer asked me to do that. So I used to do, and again, back to the impression thing, I, I would do this Matthew McConaughey thing. And I would try to, like, couple with some other accents. But I just wasn't good enough at impressions. So that if I did one Matthew McConaughey impression in the middle of my set, it just felt weird. It's like, right. okay, you have your one impression that you do. Right. And I try to do other ones. Like I would do Homer Simpson. And I would do, like... Uh Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn and shit like that. I
1: heard you kind of do Owen Wilson a little bit last (laughs) night. That
0: wasn't bad either. It wasn't bad, but then I kind of feel like there's so many people who do it, and then there's also the idea that when you do impressions, and this is why I think Caliendo got so big, because he didn't, like, he does Nicholson and all that shit, but then he did, like, John Madden, which nobody's doing. And once you do impressions that nobody else is doing, it looks real and authentic and original. Me doing Owen Wilson's like, well, who the fuck out ten other people, twenty other people, thirty do Owen Wilson. Yeah,
1: I, you know, I, I but I can't reel reel them off. Yeah. Like when you talk about Christopher Walken, you could reel a few dudes off. That's Kevin true. Spacey, uh 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 Jay Kevin Moore Kevin Pol Kevin Pollack, Jay Moore's probably the most popular one, Craig Gass. Yeah, Craig Gass. I, I don't I can't reel off Owen Wilson's. Yeah.
0: I you guess it's I mean? true. Yeah. But
1: I, I've seen guys on the internet do it. But they're no more famous than, you know, the guy across the street.
0: Yeah. So That's funny. You know, I think maybe part of it is that I'm more where if, if on my YouTube comments, if someone said, that's a shitty Owen Wilson impersonation, that would hurt me
1: more than but someone listen, saying, listen, but, but, but that's listen. a shitty joke. Here's the opposite. I've heard dudes do impressions of people that were shitty, and the comments are, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes people's ears be doo-doo, man. <laughs> Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go back to it. You know, I I do I like All I right, you've been fucking around. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, nigga.
0: Okay, so I'll just put in the context of the joke I did. Oh, do
1: the movie, dude. Just a sound quit a, a well, soundbite.
0: Yeah. So I, I say I said a girl said you look like someone. And I go maybe it was Matthew McConaughey, and the, the audience laughs because I don't look like him. I kind of do a little bit sometimes. Anyway, I go I go fuck you. I go, what do you think now? And I go, hey, thinking like about high school girls. I keep getting older and older. They say the same age, and people go Woo, and then they laugh about it. You know, like oh, I can see it. But I, uh, that was the only sentence I, ever, I. Also, I feel like you need the the lines for the impression. You can't just improv. I, I'm not good enough to just improv right. the impression. Maybe you are, but I feel like if I, I don't know. Maybe I'll do it. I, Fuck.
2: I think Matthew McConaughey buying groceries at the store or being a checker at the store. At <clears throat> store.
0: Yeah,
1: like if I could. Yeah, doing if them. I could do it. I, I uh, see. See, I'm gonna sound like <laughs> Bill Clinton a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> well, I see you got some haagen ice cream right there. It's pretty good ice cream. Have you ever had pistachio? or maybe the chocolate better. You strawberry. Like I, ju- I, yeah, just, yeah. I, I can't do it, but <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when you said Homer Simpson, I, I've never been able to do Homer, but I've flirted around with Marge. Homer, you said you were gonna take Bart away to the school. <laughs> you gotta take Bart before he gets suspended. <laughs> so you know. Um,
0: yeah yeah okay yeah um so uh one one story i want to ask you real quick about uh you 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 can be a controversial figure you know and on stage you can ruffle some feathers have you ever had a set on stage where shit just went tits up in a ditch where like like a a flash mob almost happened people railroaded you out of town yeah pitchforks and and, and and
1: and it actually it actually uh taught me to stop being lazy (laughs) uh the first time i uh Actually happened twice. The first time I did the popular rap bit where I did the rappers, yeah, I just was stuck on my own ego. So I thought, I'm just gonna wing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went up at the comedy store and it was, you know, urban night. And I didn't write the rhymes, I didn't I didn't I didn't give rap the respect that it deserves. I just thought I'll do the impressions, I'll say some silly shit, and it fucking tanked. And I thought, ah fucking fluke. I'm me. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. So the second time I tried it, I was at Madison Square Garden, and this was right after the first year of Def Comedy Jam. So the tour was Bernie Mac, me, Bill Bellamy, Adele Givens, Reggie McFadden, and musical guest uh, Buster Rhymes. And I went out there and I did the same shit again. Only this time it was five thousand people. Jesus. Yeah. And that. was booing. Booing. Uh, I fell on my ass. My mom was there. My friends was there. We were all supposed to hang out afterwards, go get dinner. I said nothing to nobody. I barely collected my check, and I walked from the garden back to my hotel, which was on uh, 50-something street, just past Times Square. And if anybody, you know anything about New York, it takes 15 minutes to walk all them blocks, because it's short. But it felt like 18 hours. yeah. And I was Bill Bixby from The Hulk. <laughs> you could hear it. Dum-dum-dum-dum. <laughs> that fucking walk was the ending credits. <laughs> me in the backpack, nigga. Uh. Walking the freeway. <clears throat> Cars going. <laughs> Thumb out. It, checking. it was lonely. <laughs> and I said, okay, I got to stop being lazy. Yeah. And I finally sat down, smoked me a, a blunt. And I went hard in the paint and wrote all the lyrics, and because I, I had the impressions, but the lyrics yeah. were garbage. Yeah. And if you're gonna do those dudes, you 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 gotta yeah, have you the gotta lyrics because mm-hmm. because these are you doing top-notch lyricists in the rap game. Yeah. So you can't do it justice unless you say some shit to make people go, "Holy shit!" Biggie would say that. Yeah. Snoop would say that, and yeah. then finally, when I put it together, and it happened at the uh, radio station in San Francisco. Boom, viral, Boom. $17 million. Blew up, man. Yeah.
0: Hey, man, I'm so glad you came out here, and I'm so glad you came out here, too, Andy. So g- <laughs>
1: we can do, you have
2: any, do you have any stories you
0: want to tell before we wrap
2: it up? Uh, no, man, uh, but on the road with the Aries, there's always interesting shit that
1: happens. And, um,
0: uh, I know. Why don't you bring my on the road, motherfucker? Well, was, I've asked you before. You didn't say yes to me. You said you, yes to you. So, you know, well, I have not right
1: seen day. you with as much consistency yeah. as I've seen the Jew. <laughs> you know this motherfucker's <laughs> been persistent man yeah yarmulke in hand yeah uh yo um again thank you brother for having me on having andy on uh again our podcast if you care is spears and steinberg uh available to itunes and um you can go to spearsberg.com or ariespears.com it's all free hit at negroes We know how we love free, which is another bullshit myth like niggas are scary. (laughs) Who the fuck don't love free, nigga? What, are white people begging to pay? Get the fuck out of here. Every time I go to the mall and they're giving free uh, chicken pieces on toothpicks, White people pick them shits. Oh,
0: yeah. We'll go to Whole Foods. Look at all these white Come people. On, just baby. Come on, baby. Everything free they can.
1: But, yeah, check out the podcast. Also, you can subscribe to me on Patreon for exclusive content. I'm on Instagram at Aerie Spears Official And uh, YouTube Aerie Spears. Hit the subscribe button, and there we go. I'm uh-huh. just AndyComedy.com. And there's no reason to find me. But if you do, that's where I'll be. All
0: there right, is. man. Guys, thank you so much. You're awesome. This is Bill Dawes signing off from the afterlife.
1: It's the after left, after Welcome to the after left, after left, laugh. <laughs> <After> laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. <laughs>